real low ERAs as a staff. Uh, not, you know, I know Kegel has a lot of their innings, but they have really good pieces uh, all the way around. So uh, it's going to take a whole team effort to uh, to really battle this out. And uh, you know, their offense is, is good, and I think they were hitting like over 300 and whatnot. So at this point in the stage, and coach talked about it uh, with the team, is every game now, every opponent is tough. So you got to you know just come out and absolutely execute at a high level. And you know, the, all, a lot of that goes into our prep work. So, uh, you know, we'll be we'll be ready come time. But um, you know, we're going to work really hard in practice to be ready for uh, the game on Friday. There's OU assistant JT Gasso on the Clemson Tigers. 1 I tell you, first pitch. Now, <laughs> I didn't know who was talking at first, and yeah. of course, the interview was over the phone, so it's a little bit garbled. I thought he said they got really good pizzas all around. I was like, what are we talking about here? Do they is that a thing at Clemson, South Carolina? Do they have good pizza out there? I don't I don't know what that area of the country is known for. They could have good pizza. I thought he said pizzas too. I could just be hungry. Well maybe he actually did. Maybe he actually did. They have good pizzas out there. You think they're you think that the Pepperoni think, rolls in West Virginia, that's all they talk about out there. Hey, so, you know, you know, good news is we got several members of the Oklahoma staff that we can ask about the pizza scene in Clemson. I'm sure Miguel Chavis used to eat about three a day. Well, I guess there's like a lot of connections between this team and in the in the head yeah. coach for Clemson married to like an OU player. Yes. Yeah, she played here. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, yeah, so there's some connections there, but I think maybe JT's at the point where there's like a bunch of where they just have to entertain themselves and like throw stuff in interviews and stuff because <laughs> that could be it too, you know? Well, yeah, what do you say at this point? Yeah. Guys, we're really good, and they're pretty good. Um, we just got to play our game, and we'll probably win this Super Regional. I mean, You, you run out of things to say after a while, I'm I, sure. I know they can lose the game. I'm not dumb enough to say that there's not a world where they but... – But are they as unbeatable as any team in any sport – that we've seen in a very long time. Like, uh, I mean, you just look at them and think to yourself, it's really hard to envision a scenario where they lose a game from here on out. I know they okay. lost a game. I get, but man, as, as unbeatable in collegiate sports, in collegiate, sport, or you, you well, know, collegiate professional. Like, what's another, what's an either. Okay. Give me a professional. It doesn't matter. What can you compare it to? I don't even know what you can compare I mean, it to. Obviously the Patriots were on a pretty nice run with Tom Brady. But they still lost to the Giants. In the yeah. Um, maybe since UConn women's basketball, honestly, I, I don't it. know. Like Parker, is that what immediately comes it. to your mind? Or is there some, because they, they got a chance to tie. Well, they don't have a chance. They can tie the all time winning streak on Friday, and that alone in itself is impressive. But when you look at the fact that in the timeline that you're talking about, essentially they have four of the five longest winning streaks in college softball history, it's not a one-year thing. It truly is a dynasty. So what are we talking about, Parker? Like UConn women's basketball, the last time we've seen this dominant of a, of a team or a program? I would say so, yes. In the 21st century, the pickings are pretty slim. I mean, you want to go back to – the mid-20th century, you had a myriad of dynasties, whether that was the Yankees in baseball, the Celtics in basketball, UCLA in men's college basketball. But in the 21st century, when you think of the great dynasties, UConn women's basketball has been in a class of their own in that capacity. Patty Gasso and OU softball, if they're not already on the same plane as Gino Auriemma and his program, they're getting dang close. 
And they'll if they're not there, they're they're going to get there at some point, you, which is pretty much what Parker's saying. Do you remember when Kelvin left? Yes. And Gino's name was thrown out there. Yeah, I, feel, yeah. I, 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 I don't know how ser- I don't know how serious it was, but I, Gino's name was thrown out there. Here's what I remember. I remember. I think it was the Oklahoma. They did like a 68 NCAA tournament style bracket to find the next head coach, which is a really cool content idea. I mean, it's yeah. awesome. But I don't think Jeff Capel made the team of 68 field. If I'm wrong on that, then uh, someone over there can correct me, and I will. But, yeah, I, I mean, Gino Ariema, um, there, there were a lot of names. He was all, he, I just remember him being on the list and thinking that was not far-fetched. I don't know if he would have really worked out or not, but not a far-fetched thought. That's how good they were, though. That's how good they were. Yeah, they were. I mean, OU softball's got it rolling right now. And, and I guess to – to, to all of that, uh, of course you care about the winning streak and the possibility of breaking it this weekend. But like, where does that rank in terms of feats that OU softball has accomplished over the past five years? Because there's been a lot of them, right? They've had the home run queen twice now. They've won back-to-back championships. They could win a third. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out, like, I know that people care about the winning streak. How much do people really care about it? In the grand scheme of things, like where does it rank in text line? This is out to you as well. It's secondary to the national titles. It's secondary to the national titles. Maybe better than the than the individual accolades, although those were awesome. I think uh, I think it's second to the national. I think winning national championships is is what uh, Coach Gasso has built it on, and I think that's kind of what we all have come to expect. Like if we were to win, if we were to win forty nine games in a row and lose. Nobody would be talking about a 49-game winning streak. They just wouldn't. They have to back it up. So the only chance you're saying the only chance that they really or we really brag about the undefeated streak or the winning streak is if they back it up with the national championship. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I think we would be disappointed or shocked. I think. Listen, here's the problem. The problem is a good portion of the softball fan base are my parents' age. They love it. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, and I'm saying that nicely, but they love it. If they were to lose, I think my dad would have a coronary on the spot. I don't know that he could handle it. My dad knows the batting average of every player on this team. You know what I mean? He follows them. They're, they're his girls. They're our girls. They're the whole thing. They love it. it yes, all the people that, all those old people that like it would die and not remember this losing, winning streak. So they that's what's on the line here. People's lives are at stake, Tyler. Okay. Absolutely, 100%. Well, if they didn't already have enough pressure, well, they've got well, that to add to the equation. Just add it to the list. Uh, 712 says, I think Iowa won like 10 national titles in a row in college wrestling. Always love the show. Boomer. Yeah, I, I mean, Iowa's, of course, yeah, they won a ton of national championships in college wrestling. But what we're seeing in college softball with what I think is the greatest era of college softball, at least the deepest that the sport has been, because for so long it was just dominated by West Coast teams. Arizona, UCLA, maybe Washington, that's probably who's going to win the championship. Now it's kind of dominated by the Southeast, and well, I mean, really by Oklahoma, but the SEC has invested a lot, the ACC is good. It's harder to win in the sport now than it's ever been, and so that's what I think Parker makes this run even more uh, – incredible than it than it already looks i mean you're struggling to contextualize it when you're talking about the respective runs of dominance that you have seen in the sport of softball because in the 21st century there is no program on oklahoma's playing you know it's, it's kind of funny that we're just sitting here and like almost trying to power rank our favorite or the most impressive obnoxiously outlandish accomplishments by ou softball because 
what they're doing defies reason, defies logic, and it's been this way for years. And somehow here in 2023, even after losing Jocelyn Allo, arguably the greatest player that college softball has ever seen, Patty Gasso's fielding what is probably her best team amidst a dynastic run that's seen her program take home six national titles in the 21st century to date. Ohio Sooner says 2001 Mariners, 2007 Patriots, 2016 Warriors, all had record-breaking seasons but didn't win a championship, yep. and that's all they are known for now. You have to seal the deal. Got to seal the deal. It's a fair point. Great point. But I, I, I will say this. Yes, the national championship is what I care about the most this year. Surely everyone agrees with that as well. But I really hope they get the winning streak, man. Because how often do you get to brag about the 47-game winning streak in football? Like, that that's a big deal to have that. And now if you can boast the all-time winning streak in both football and softball, I know initially, initially, man, it'll be about a national championship and three consecutive, and that's what you really care about. But I think you'll look up several months after the fact and say, oh, wow, that was cool. We broke the winning streak as well and now you can lay claim to that and it's just another reason or another thing to throw out there is like yeah we're the we're the greatest college softball program ever okay so the starting pitcher for clemson is valerie cagle right yes who is up for national player of the year the best player i guess they just don't look at oklahoma players now because it's just a given that we're all so good so the best player who's not on oklahoma's roster is valerie cagle right or one of the three the only one left playing correct do you think she feels like it is her against the Oklahoma Sooners in this Super Regional? Like, what kind I of feel pr- really bad for her if that's her thoughts? <laughs> I mean, what other thought could it be? What other thought could it be? Because she, in addition to being her, their ace, she's also their best hitter. She's their best hitter. She's the ace. I, it, it's just the the, lo- the amount of pressure that she's facing. It, it's really going to be interesting to see how a player of her caliber handles going into Oklahoma when they're playing for a spot in the World uh, World Series and playing to break the longest streak in the history of the sport. I mean, that is a heck of a spot to put what people can, who people consider the best player in the sport. Zane, I agree. Zane in Tulsa says, I'm probably more unbeatable at killing it on the Knippelmeyer text line. You do every single day, Zane. I appreciate that. 918, my greatest accomplishment in life has been getting myself blocked by Jen Schroeder. I'm going to reach out to her to see if she'll come on the radio show next week. She said some things about OU, so maybe uh, maybe she'll clarify things or at least uh, revise what she said earlier. You know they're talking about her. That's uh, so she's 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 prominent. It's true. Broken Arrow Fat Boy, not to put the horse before the car, but if they don't lose another game this season, how far in the next season does this streak go? He means streak there. And I think cart instead of car. However, <laughs> how far does this streak go? Well, they tend to lose, like, if they lose a game, and I know this didn't happen two years ago, but it tends to be earlier on in the season. They get their little early season loss out of the way, and then they go on a run for quite some time. I I, I mean, we lost the best player in, in the bet, maybe the bet, well, the, the best hitter in the history of college softball and only, you know, have rattled off 46 straight wins. So I would anticipate that, Patty just probably keeps it going. Probably so. Probably so. Uh, by the way, I said at 4 o'clock, we're a few minutes late on it. I uh, told you earlier today to get ready to give us something, one thing that, uh, what did I say, you should be happy about or what, one it. good thing with OU football? Okay. What, what do you got? It, it's our defense. I'm happy about our defense. 
this coaching staff put together the best transfer portal work that we've seen at Oklahoma since Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. Okay? So defensively, we have upgraded with McCullough, with Pearson, with Bothroyd. Those three guys alone are already better than any three players we had on the defensive team last year. Right? I mean, your yeah, optimism. I, I love Stutzman. I think Stutzman's going to have a really good year. I think McCullough, Pearson, and Bothroyd were better players than Stutzman were last year. And now you're adding them to the team. Stutzman's going to have another year under Benable's thing. I think our defense, combined with the schedule, is poised to have a tremendous level of improvement. Very optimistic. What do you think, Parker? I'm of the opinion that there's almost nowhere to go but up defensively <laughs> based on what you saw last season for Brent Venable's unit at Oklahoma. So, yes, I think it's a baseline expectation that this defense is going to be better. The question is how much better can they realistically get with this cast of, uh, this cast of characters? Excuse me. And I do think that the ceiling is much higher than it was in 2022, but – I'm looking more towards year one of SEC ball in 2024, the point at which I think we're going to see Oklahoma start playing top-level defense because you presumably get Billy Bowman and Danny Stutzman back. Maybe that's counting your chickens before they hatch. But if you get those two dudes back, P.J. Adebarre is a rising sophomore, as is Peyton Bowen. R. Mason Thomas is a junior. Robert Spears Jennings is a junior. Josiah Wagner and Makari Vickers presumably step into starting roles. There's a lot to like long-term about this Oklahoma defense. I'm not letting my expectations get sky high for Oklahoma defensively in 2023, but the good news is in this Big 12, I don't think you have to be elite defensively in order to win double-digit games, especially looking at OU's schedule, and have an opportunity to win the conference in Arlington come December. I think, I think it's the, the optimism comes from the clear upgrade of those dudes in the transfer portal, coupled with the, you know, the Bowens and the Atabaris that we picked up, coupled with what you think is going to be improved play from Stutzman, Woody Washington, you hope. Billy is, Bowman. Yeah. Oh, Billy Bowman's fantastic. I mean, and then of course, Woody Washington, you hope is healthier throughout the year. So between that group of dudes combined with the schedule, right? We don't have. I mean, when you start talking about toughest games on your schedule after Texas, you are talking about, like, BYU. You're even talking about Kansas. I mean, I guess we have to make those arguments, and we will as the season progresses. But come on. Like, seriously, that's – this isn't Baylor in 2014 that we're going up against, right? No, I, I this mean, isn't I, last year's TCU I, I think that there that is a real against. chance that you don't face – well, I feel good that they're not going to face an elite offense. I mean, Texas no. really has the only chance to be an elite offense this year. But will you face a top fifteen offense this year? Like, may- maybe not. I mean, no, that's. Not. I mean, you're you're not even talking about an Iowa State team that's going to have the same guys that that have always given us fits. So you've got what I th- and I, I guess Parker to your point, this season is like the perfect bridge, or it should be the perfect bridge to the SEC. We get to add some talent, build some confidence hopefully build up our recruiting base, and then we're heading into the SEC on a crest versus a swell, you know, versus a, a lull. There are some, uh, you know, no excuse, you know, type of things with this football team this year. Defensively, um, no excuses. Not Where only do you have to be better, they've got to be a lot better, man. If they're very similar or rank similar as to what they were last year, then 
I don't know how you defend that at, at, at this point. Well, it's not the it, you know it's not the dudes anymore. Like if we want to talk about getting players in, I mean, look at our secondary. Is our secondary the strength potentially the strength of our team? Uh, safety, yes. To me, safety for sure, right? And then you, 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 if Stutzman's the guy we think he is, Bothroyd's the guy we think he is. You know, the guys on the defensive line are better. We're running out of excuses for the coaches too, right? Well, we don't have our guys. That that ship has sailed. We've had two years of transfer portal, two years for recruiting, or I guess a year and a half. You know, whatever you want to call that first year of recruiting, whatever the case may be. I, I I agree with you. I think this is optimistically a fantastic year to improve defensively, build on it, and then head into the SEC. Brown O'Haver is where we're hanging out today. And what's kind of the main point that you want to hit on? Is it storm damage today and what it you is. should do immediately after? It's, it is. It's storm damage. So if you've been hit by the storm, if you haven't been paid your policy limits to this point, if you've been hit by the storms and you haven't been paid your policy limits, whether it was in Norman or Shawnee or Cole or you know any of those that have received damage, give us a call, 405-735-5510. Just let us look at your claim. Let us tell you some areas of concern that we might or might not have. You don't have to hire us, but we can point you in the right direction, get you moving. But if you need if you need to get going on this thing, you're feeling a little overwhelmed, give Brown O'Haver a call, 405-735-5510. We help you with your insurance claims. We adjust the claims for you, not the insurance company. OU baseball up 2-0 on Oklahoma State in the first inning. We'll get to your text coming up next, 405-651-3439 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Keep it locked on the ref. It's the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, John Whitson alongside today. He's the co-host of the Boomer Bevo podcast. If you haven't already, go like and subscribe to the Boomer Bevo podcast. It's the Internet's only Dedicated podcast to the OU Texas rivalry. The, the greatest, greatest, the greatest rivalry, greatest in college rivalry football. in all of college. Absolutely, football. and I still stand by that. I hate those guys. Can't stand them. But is it the best rivalry in all of college football? Yes, I think it is, that it is. Uh, by the way, OU is up on Oklahoma State three nothing after the top of the first. OU uh, what one and three this year against Oklahoma State in baseball? Well, they just put up three runs in the first inning. So trying to set themselves up nicely for a postseason run just like they did last year. Here was an interesting text. I haven't thought about this. Uh, from the 919, Sooner Finish says the Sooners could be the 1984 BYU football team this year. Now, a couple of things to note from that text. One, 1984 BYU won the national championship. Two, a lot of people say, and I think Barry Switzer was one of them, BYU won the national championship in 1984 because they didn't play a very tough schedule, 13-0. And, Parker, as I look at their schedule from 1984, oh, they won at number three, Pitt, in the first game of the year. But then it was Baylor, Tulsa, Hawaii, Colorado State, Wyoming, Air Force, New Mexico, UTEP, San Diego State, Utah, Utah State, and then an unranked Michigan team in the uh, Holiday Bowl. So, yeah, it checks out. OU won't play a top three team this year, but the rest of that schedule kind of looks like OU's. Let me give you what is perhaps a better comparison. 2015 Iowa. You remember that team, Tyler? Yeah. Yeah, they were uh, undefeated all the way to the uh, Big Ten championship game because the uh, Big Ten West was so bad that year. Exactly. Well, it, it wasn't that it was bad. It was just that you had a whole bunch of mediocre teams that Iowa did enough on a week-in, week-out basis to be able to forge past. And 
I don't think looking at Oklahoma's schedule, with the exception of Arkansas State, there aren't any bad football teams on that schedule. But there are so there also aren't any football teams that you regard as, with the possible exception of Texas and TCU for that matter. But there aren't really any teams that you regard as national contenders or even surefire top 25 teams in college football heading into the year. I, I mean, unless a surprise happens, which we saw that last year, and yeah, it happened last year, it could happen this year. I just, I'm not forecasting a massive surprise from the Big 12 this year, at least not with any teams that OU plays. Well, and TCU lost Garrett Riley, right? So, yeah, because at Clemson. So they've got to figure that out. Lost their quarterback, lost their receiver. One of their running backs or both? Uh, they lost, I think, both running backs. They lost the quarterback. They lost a Davey O'Brien a winner at quarterback. They lost a first-round receiver, and they lost a Thorpe Award winner. Uh, Ladanian Tomlinson's, what, cousin, I think is who it is. Oh, okay. Yeah, they lost a lot. Yeah, I just it's, – it's hard to project anybody outside of – I mean, look, yes, Texas sucks. We hate Texas. Texas is terrible. Let's, let, we'll, set, we'll set all of that aside. They're going to be a pretty good team. They beat us 49 to nothing last year, right? But that beyond them, I just – I don't know who's out there on our schedule that we just have to say, golly, we better be ready to play or we're going to get our chins knocked in, you know? We, we, we're going to be a better team on paper than every other team on our schedule. The Texas yeah. game is always a dogfight. Always. Yeah. And you can look at the few exceptions in years past, obviously 2022, for instance, most recently, but – Oklahoma's had a couple blowout wins over the years. Texas has had a blowout win here and there. For the most part, though, what makes OU-Texas such a fun rivalry beyond all of the everything that comes baked into the pie with the environment and the atmosphere and the venue, but I think one of the things that really, really makes that rivalry compelling is the fact that regardless of how much of a talent discrepancy or resume discrepancy there is between those two teams – when they hit the field on the second Saturday of October, you never know which direction it's going to swing. So you're always going to be worried, if only in the back of your mind, about that Texas game. And you're never going to regard that one as a sure thing. But outside of that Texas game, John, Tyler, I don't see another game on OU's schedule where there's – well, I guess I should, I guess I should say it this way. The other 11 teams on their schedule, on paper, are not as talented as Oklahoma. Yeah, um, you, you, there, there's always one of two feelings driving back from Dallas on Sunday after the OU-Texas game. It's either one of the greatest feelings in the world after a win or a demoralizing feeling of, well, we're not as good as we thought that we were. We're really going to have to hustle to get to 10 wins maybe, it, you know, are things falling apart here? Like, it's it's totally opposite reactions. After a 6-7 and seven year, um, it's – the same is going to be true this year, but maybe even a little bit more magnified, John, because wow. I feel like most people are going into this year, maybe even myself included, of, okay, well, whatever happens before the Texas game that's good is just, you know, whatever. My real first impression of how good this team is is going to determine if they beat Texas or not in the conference. Well, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, we were – I think we were stunned last year, clearly. We did not expect to lose to K-State. Ended up being a little better than they than we thought they were. We definitely didn't expect to lose to the TCU team, who obviously was a lot better than we thought they were. We're not going to have those same expectations this year. But, Tyler, if that drive home last year was the worst drive home in the history of the OU-Texas game for me. 
I mean, it was just it was. I don't know. All, what, I don't know what else would be close. I can't even imagine it. I don't even know who else is out there that can bring up one that was worse. I mean, we've had really, really good teams lose, but they've been in almost historic games. You know, 2008 was it? Yes, we lost, but man, it was a shootout. It was, it was historic. It was up and down the field. It was you know fantastic football from both sides. This was just a complete disaster, and so. At least from that standpoint, similar to Parker's comment about our defense, really almost anything against Texas this year is going to be an improvement over last year, right? So as long as, not as long as we're competitive, but we, gosh darn it, we better be competitive next year. You uh, you mentioned some of the classic game, not you know, close games that you've lost against those guys recently. And just a random thought, like think about this in the past what fifteen years, I guess. You've lost that game three times. And you still either played in a national championship game or made the college football playoff. You, you've lost it more than three times in the past 15 years, but in 08, you lost it. You still played in the championship yep. game. And then in 15 and in what, 18 as well, you lost that game. That, that's, that's interesting, isn't it? And you didn't have that thought last year driving home. It was, oh my gosh, uh, this is going to be a it's super long No, season. absolutely. Like, like, yeah, all those other years, you're like, well, if we went out, we're fine. If we went out, we're fine. Like and you legitimately felt that last year. Like my God, we might not win another game, and we and we barely did. So Brian in Tulsa says the drive home from Arlington after losing to BYU. Yeah, you you thought you were going to win that one big, and then now your Heisman Trophy winners hurt. Jermaine Gresham's not going to play all year long. That one stunk too. Sarks Vodka says K State will go to Arlington as an eleven and one team and lose to Oklahoma. Well, Sarks Vodka, if you're offering that right now, uh, I think I take that. Chris Rich, 316. Parker, he says the only way we get considered for the college football playoff is if Texas beats Alabama and Tuscaloosa. Texas jumps up in rank, then we slaughter them and win the conference. I mean, I, I, I don't think that's necessarily true, Chris Rich. I think if you go undefeated, Oklahoma's in the playoff. Even if you finish the season with one loss, I would say a one-loss Oklahoma team with a conference championship is in the college football playoff because we've seen this scenario play out, what, three times in the past where Oklahoma is a one-loss conference champion and there wasn't much doubt in 2017, but there was in 2018. There certainly was in 2019. With the weight and the gravity of the Oklahoma brand nationally, if a program of Oklahoma's caliber cleans house in the Big 12 with no more than a one in the loss column, they're going to be in the college football playoff. You can bank well, on it. Well, TCU didn't even, doesn't even have Oklahoma's pedigree. They lost in the conference championship game. Last game. On the last game, now you know the biggest game of their year, they lost that game and still made a playoff. I, so, uh, I, I, yeah, I still I, think OU is going to be – if OU's a one-loss team, I think that they're getting in just well, about every yeah, single time. And, but, but to the texter's point, if they're undefeated, OU's in. It did – it doesn't matter who's on their schedule. No, if they're undefeated, even with the bad resume, they still might matter. be the uh, two seed in that, depending Absolutely. on what happens uh, nationally. And um, in the 12-team playoff, if you're a one-loss team, buddy, you're making it every single year. But, I think Oklahoma with two losses probably makes it every single year in a 12-year-old. Yeah, it'll especially be. The, well, especially when you're in the SEC, right? It'll and be Oklahoma with three losses every year makes it in the college football playoff when it's a 12-team format. Well, especially in the SEC, 100%. It'll be interesting to see the first couple of years of the 12-team playoff, like how many three-loss teams in a major conference still make the 12-team playoff. That'll be fascinating to uh, to, to look at. I'm, and I'm sure that there will be at least one. I'm, I'm with you guys. I think a three-loss team will make it. 
may ha- may have the toughest assignment of the entire playoff, but I'm not uh, I'm not going to be shocked if that's the case. OU's up three nothing still on Oklahoma State, by the way, in the top of the second inning. First rounds of the Big 12 tournament there in Arlington. If they win this game, they will play the winner of tonight's West Virginia and Texas Tech game. So we'll keep an eye uh, on this game for you as the afternoon rolls on. Again, Meyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. More to come next right here on The Ref. It's The Rush on The Ref. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, John Whitson joining us live at Brown O'Haver. OU baseball rolling right now. Top of the second inning. OU still at the plate, by the way. Sooners up 4 nothing over Oklahoma State. Two outs, but runners on the corners. Uh, Tyler. OU hitting the ball well so far. Tyler, can I make a comment real quick yes, about please. the appearance of the Oklahoma State players? Are those the ugliest dudes you've ever seen in your life? Like, I'm not normally <laughs> judging. I'm not normally judging guys and, like, how they, like, physically look. But those dudes are so ugly. Their hair's ugly. Their facial structures. They all just look – I mean, look at that dude. Yeah, it looks like most of them hadn't had a haircut since, uh, what, about two seasons ago. Well, I don't know. And you asked me that when they were on the mound visit, and I, uh, the mound I'll, visit. I'll go ahead and agree with you on that one. Thank so you. I can, I can, yes. I can evaluate the entire infield. I'm here. not saying that we're particularly good-looking, although I think we've got some good-looking guys out there. But, oh, my God, Oklahoma State. And their jerseys look weird, right? We talked about this on you the You were break. saying they look like Auburn. What's well, a weird-looking orange. Is it just my TV, or, or is that a weird-looking orange? It is. Um, I, I think that that color – uh, that they wear uh, with their baseball uniforms. I think their their football uniforms that color as well. It, it just it, it, it's hard on a television camera, basically. It's hard. I, it's hard on. The OU's stick. just wearing the the grays, which is a classic look. As OSU bobbles one in the infield, oh. they barely got it at first there. But OU's up four nothing at the bottom of the second. I'll agree with you on all fronts. By the way, um, you do like to hammer Oklahoma State. You've hammered the town of Cincinnati so far. You've hammered uh, – what, what else have you covered? Davis Bevel. I'm trying to think of uh, where, where else. I'm trying to think Atlanta. of where else. We've got over Atlanta. Yeah. But you do a lot of charity work in the area. Feels like, uh, at least, <laughs> it feels like at least once a month I see the team at Brown O'Haver uh, doing some things in the community. So basically, Brown O'Haver as a company has to make up for all the stupid stuff I say on the Boomer Bevo podcast and on air with you guys, right? So we try to give back. But in all seriousness, we know how important it is to give back to our community. It's where we live. It's where our customers live. And if we're not going to be an active participant in the community, it's it's not really meeting our goals as a company, which is to be um, a leader for folks in times of crisis. So among the most recent people we've worked with, and I, and I know that the REF has worked with these companies too, or these organizations too, so that's what's so cool about it is kind of the synergy there. But uh, Bridges Prom, yeah, you've been out to Bridges with Stacy. Uh, we were a venue sponsor for them and their Prom 2.0. Uh, we were out dancing with them. One of our big groups, and I, this is the one that really Alice and I have championed, um, is the Food and Shelter in Norman. April does an amazing job. She's the executive director, does an amazing job with that organization. Homelessness um, in Norman it's it's an issue, but instead of talking about it, people like April and people at Food and Shelter are doing something about it. And so, if there's a if there's any if you're ever looking for a if you're a small company in Norman or just an individual and you're looking for somebody to support, Food and Shelter just does tremendous work, and we've always done some good stuff with those folks. But the most important thing that we do every year is our water stop at More War, which will happen here in August. We run the absolute best water stop of any 
single road race in the country. That's what I've heard. It is fantastic. Words out. Our um, our water stop at the Moore War Run prior to the kickoff of high school football season is second to none. We kill it every year. You wouldn't even think you need a a, a, a water stop in a five k. Like I doesn't even like I wouldn't even think you'd really need that, but apparently you do. I, I totally would. And we but... kill it. We kill it every time, and that's going to be coming up. Is it up. like Bobby Boucher's uh, glacier water oh, that 100%. he has? Oh, dude, it's so stop. pure. It is so pure and cold. People always complain about it being cold, but I don't, you know, you want it to taste good, we do it. We kill it. We absolutely kill it. Parker, 38-year-old Adrian Peterson, says he's not done with the NFL just yet. Quote, mentally, I haven't officially hung it up. Now, I don't think that he played for an NFL team last year, but he's hoping to play this year. AD needs just 82 rushing yards to hit 15,000 for his career. Is someone going to give him an opportunity next year, or has AD played his last game in the NFL? I, look, I, I would love to see Adrian Peterson in an NFL backfield eclipsing that 15,000-yard threshold at the age of 38. I just find it hard to believe he's going to get an opportunity at this point, especially after spending a whole year out of football. right? And he did not look like, in all transparency, if we're being honest with ourselves, he did not look like he had a whole lot left in the tank in 2021. Then he didn't play at all in 2022. So I, far be it for me to question AD, and maybe he gets a camp invite and makes a 53-man roster, but I'm not counting on that dude touching an NFL football field again, as fun as it would be to see. It, it's, it's incredibly unlikely, but if there was a 38-year-old running back that had – you know, played the length of time that he had played that we that you would give a fighting shot to, it would be Adrian Peterson. It is definitely him. It's uh, Adrian Peterson. And if the NFL doesn't work out for him, maybe he can go play for the XFL champion Arlington Renegades. Maybe they're in the need of a would running that be back right now. That would be amazing. I didn't even think about that. How amazing would that be if he played for the XFL? Now, he's not going to get the paycheck in the XFL that he would in the NFL, and that's probably why he's, uh, you know, still trying to hang around in the league, get a few more paychecks, but... You, you want to go be the star of a league? He'll be the star of the XFL for sure, whether he's the best player or not. Adrian Peterson, a future Hall of Famer? Yeah. Uh, Text line saying AD has five years left in him. Best freshman to ever play college football? Best freshman ever to play college football? Yes. Well, he was the first freshman ever to almost win the Heisman. Um, so, yeah, not redshirt freshman, to, uh, true freshman. True freshman. Man. Yeah, what probably was, what so. Was, was Herschel Walker? That's what I was going to say. Was Herschel Walker a true freshman? Was it Bo Jackson or Herschel Walker? Were either of them a true freshman? Was Was Herschel a freshman when Georgia won the title in 1980? He was pretty young, I think, when when he was at UGA. Regardless, AD is definitely in the conversation. And, and Parker, really, I guess you got to say that his freshman year was his best year at OU, right? All in all, yes. From a productive standpoint, from a Highlight reel standpoint, yes, Adrian Peterson was at his peak at the collegiate level when he was a freshman. Now, once he got to the NFL, I I remember that 2012 season when he was fresh off the ACL tear and everybody wondered whether he'd be the same again and all he does is come up nine yards short of breaking Eric Dickerson's single-season rushing record. So Adrian Peterson, it felt like he lived three lives as far as football is concerned. His life at Oklahoma – his life with the Vikings, and his life post-Vikings. But 
as far as his career at Oklahoma was concerned, he was never better than he was when he was just coming onto the scene as a freshman. Doug Miles says, "Come on, Vikings, take a flyer on AD." You know what was always weird That'd about be awesome. what was always weird about AD in the pros, and he was obviously amazing. And that season you're talking about, I remember that game. If they'd had one more snap, you know, you knew he was going to get I it. I remember the post game interview. He he asked uh, the sideline reporter, I forget who it was. Did I get it? She's yeah. like, "You're nine yards short." Oh. He's like, "Oh, dang." So, but the the fumble problems he had, right? Him holding onto the ball, it always blew my mind how a guy is physically strong. You know that he was probably had the, one of the strongest grips in the league, had a terrible fumble problem. He could not hold on to the ball um, in the years that followed that really good year. I'm, yeah. I'm remembering that right, right? I just remember a lot of turnovers against the Saints in that NFC Championship game to keep him from what would have been the only Super Bowl in his career. I can't. I think Brett Favre had a lot to do with those uh, turnovers against the Saints that year, well, but maybe AD well, had a couple of Don't forget too. that was Bounty Gate, too. So Yeah, seriously. That was Bounty Gate. Uh, Ohio Sooner, A.D. or Trevor Lawrence have to be in the top two for true freshmen. Yeah, I guess Clemson won a championship with Trevor Lawrence as a true freshman, right? In 2018? Yeah, I think that's right. He was a true freshman that year. Uh, 405, Adrian also holds the NFL record for single game yards at 295. That's, that is correct, yes. Uh, 405, Herschel was a true freshman and great. Bo wasn't even close to the best freshman running back in 82. A guy named Marcus was the stud. Marcus Dupree, that's from Clay. Well said, Clay. You're right. That guy was a stud. Best 30 for 30? The best that never was. Is that the best 30 for 30? Um, it's a pretty good one, man. It's pretty good. Brian and the Boss was, was pretty fantastic ah, as well. I love the Boss, but I don't, I don't By know. the way, uh, Georgia and Florida, that rivalry game is staying in Jacksonville through 2025, and I don't think Kirby Smart is too happy about that, Parker. He recently said, quote, he's been upset because NCAA rules don't allow schools to host recruits at neutral sites, which is interesting. Have we heard that with OU in Texas? Um, Kirby Smart said, quote, we're allowed to use tickets, but we can't host them. We can't do anything. So I've never understood. I've never understood what we would do with them. We can't legally see them. We can't talk to them. We can't host them. We can't visit them. We can say there's a ticket at the gate. Enjoy the game. So that's really all we can do. We'll do that. We'll have some kids go to the game, end quote. So if Florida and Georgia can't host recruits, OU and Texas can't host recruits either in Dallas? Well, I think there's some distinction you have to draw because I, the, I guess the way they do it is they're not technically hosting them. They're using tickets to put the kids up in the stands. But, like, you never see recruits on the field at OU Texas. So it's different being a neutral site game. I don't pretend to know the ins and outs of what exactly you can and can't do on a neutral site versus a traditional home game. But basically the way it works at OU Texas is – one program has the rights to the tickets for recruits yeah. every other year. That's kind of how it works. Uh, well, I got to tell you, I feel bad for Georgia. It's really affected their recruiting and their playing <laughs> field. Seriously, that neutral, yeah. that neutral side game has just really put a damper uh, on them. Four oh five. Don't forget Arch Manning is the best freshman ever. Texas sucks. That's what that text yeah, says. They love Arch Manning. Yeah, they do. All right, we'll close up hour number two of the rush. OU baseball still up 4 nothing over Oklahoma State. We'll continue to give you uh, score updates and a whole lot more. Keep it locked on the ref. Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you this hour of the rush. Top of the third in Arlington. 
OU leads it over Oklahoma State 4-0. OU has the bases loaded with one out. So base it away from really uh, busting this one open in the uh, first round of the Big 12 tournament. You're starting right. to see some parallels, Tyler, because you remember hey. Big 12 champion, or Big 12 tournament last year, excuse me, Oklahoma won and they won big. It was an yeah. offensive explosion. And I, if not every single game, the majority of the games that they played over the course of that tournament – they won by wide margins. Even the championship game against Texas, right? I think I remember them winning that one semi-handily. I think that that's what happened. But, yeah, you're right. Um, okay, so Rivals is looking back at the quarterbacks who have been number one overall in a recruiting class. And there's not as many as you think. Now, they go back to 2002. So the quarterbacks that have been number one in a recruiting class, let's see how many of these have worked out. Well, Dylan Riola this year, we don't know. He hasn't taken a collegiate snap yet. Arch Manning, same thing. We don't know just yet. And then here are the other ones, Parker. Quinn Ewers, who we know now is at Texas. He was the number one player in his class. Fantastic player last year. <laughs> 54% completion. Trevor Lawrence was the number one player. That one worked out Pretty nicely. Good. Clemson won a championship with him. Terrell Pryor was the uh, number one overall player in 2008. Jimmy Clausen in the 2006 class played at Clemson. And then Vince Young was the first number one overall prospect in Rivals history. So judging by that, Parker, there have been some uh, big hits, but what do we qualify Jimmy Clausen and Terrell Pryor as? You remember, gosh, you remember when Mel Kuyper basically like staked his reputation on Jimmy Clausen being I a multiple-time Pro Bowler at the NFL level? Yeah, and he wasn't even a first-round pick at quarterback, correct? Didn't he fall to the second round? Yeah, and wasn't that what Mel was so upset about? Mm-hmm. I think, yes, and <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it was now that you remind me. And Jimmy Clausen, I, if I remember correctly, had a very short stay in the NFL, and I think I do remember correctly. So some of those have been great. Um, obviously, Trevor Lawrence has been fantastic thus far. It's just um, Vince Young had a great collegiate career, maybe not so much in the NFL, we'll, we'll see what happens with Riola, Arch Manning. Like, that's interesting. There's only like seven – it's since 2002, but we've had, what, three out of the past four years now for number one overall how, players? How high was Bomar? Was he not a number one? He I was think per- AD was the number one. I think AD was the number one overall in that class. That class? Okay. Yeah. I feel like Bomar, Bomar was a five-star, though. He was a high five-star, though, wasn't he? Like He was. Yes, yeah, he, he was. was. Yeah. But AD was the consensus number one player. Text line says Ryan Leaf, number one overall. Not in the NFL draft in recruiting rankings is what we're talking about here. Recruiting rankings. All right, final hour is coming up next. Ice cream diplomacy. Apparently that goes on at BYU. We'll tell you all about that more coming up next. Some Oklahoma fans have taken it a little bit too far. And they've talked negatively about the kid. And then rival fans have screenshotted it and they've put it out there. Recruits have seen it and not really knowing any better and getting caught up in the, emo- the emotion of the moment. They've taken it and they've retweeted it themselves and they've said, wow, I don't want to go play at Oklahoma. Uh, here's the thing about that. Don't fall for that stuff. My message to recruits would be don't fall for that. There is no fan base out there that is made up of majority psychopaths. And conversely... Every fan base out there has a small sliver of psychopaths. It is what it is. If you're going to play college football, you will not escape the fact that you're going to go play for a team 
where there are some people who pull for that team that are a little bit off their rocker. In no way does that reflect on the entire fan base. Josh Pate at 24-7 Sports is 99% right. Said a lot of great things there. The message boards, genius posts that most of you saw on Twitter where, you know, some message board posts on there bagging on Zadavian Sims and some recruits had thoughts about it. That's not going to uh, impact OU football recruiting in the least, at least uh, I don't think. 99% right there by Josh Pate. The only thing he's wrong about is when he said there is no fan base made up of uh, majority psychopaths, which to what we find out, found out on the text line, text line mentioned about five or six psychotic fan bases that are out there, most notably uh, LSU, Texas Tech, Texas A&M, Arkansas, Texas. The, the text line was quick to uh, mention a lot of psychotic fan bases, so he was almost right there, John, almost. Yeah, no, Texas Tech is by far the most psychotic fan base. It's, it's not even close. You know, really, you're saying by far here, John, because I, I, I submit to you Notre Dame. Yeah, but at least Notre Dame's got some history behind how psychotic they are. I mean, Texas Tech is psychotic for psychotic sake, right? They're okay, like, yeah, they're yeah. all like on psychotic island out there. You know what I mean? They're in the they're in the middle of the Texas Panhandle. All that's happening to them all day is the wind is blowing, and there's cow manure smells going on it's very and, true and, i mean that's it's just, west texas that, yeah it's just west texas and it's nothing is happening and so they literally they they, they just suffer from a deep-seated psychosis that's just like please make us relevant please make us relevant please make us relevant you know and it just doesn't really ever happen well you know one of the <laughs> one of the <laughs> one of the slogans that texas tech football uses is west texas tough we ought to amend that to west texas crazy because I was, was going to say Raider they, Rash there, but yeah, West Texas Raider tough. Rash. No, I was not going there. Hey, by the way, OU baseball is rolling right now, boys. I mean, seven rolling. nothing. Yeah, top of the third. This feels like Bedlam football from last year, where OU could do no wrong offensively to start the game. Let's hope OU can just pick up a first down here in the uh, sixth, seventh, and eighth innings. Uh, top of the third is now done. Bottom of the third, OU's up 7 nothing. But, yeah, they're rolling so far. I think in that first quarter against Oklahoma State, you saw the absolute height of a Jeff Levy offense. Like, everything that you finally expected to see culminated in that first quarter. The, the guys were running wide open. Passes were being completed. Plays were being made. Guys in space. But the last three quarters was everything that was wrong with Jeff Levy's offense for the entire year. Jeff Levy was in his bag that first quarter, and then somebody zipped the bag up, and he spent the next three quarters trying to get out of it because there was nothing. I, like, I, I've never never in my life, and I've watched a lot of football, as I'm sure you guys have, never in my life have I seen that drastic of a contrast between absolute how, – gosh, how do I even phrase it? They were moving the ball at will in the yeah, they first were to- They were toying with it. They, they were moving the ball at will. They were doing and getting whatever they wanted offensively. And then as soon as the second quarter hit, they couldn't buy a first down. Yeah. The only thing that I can really even compare it to, and, I mean, this was maybe the greatest OU offense of all time, so you kind of understand it a little bit. If you guys remember the 08 season when they played at Kansas State and they scored like 55 points in the first half and then just three in the second half, like that's the only thing I can compare it to. But they scored 55 points in the first half and won easily, so who cares? 
But, yeah, I, I, I've never seen an OU offense be that dominant early to where you thought they were going to win 65 nothing, and then they did nothing the well, second we, half. We had, seen, we had seen Lincoln Riley's teams go cold in the second half. Oh, for sure. But, I mean, this they went cold for three quarters, and they went real cold. Yeah. Like, it was uh, – and, and it was really weird. I think it had to be lack of a – well, whatever. It's I just, believe they had yard. four first downs, if my memory serves me correctly, in the second, third, and fourth quarters combined. That four many? First they downs. had four? I don't think they had that That's many. That's shocking. Jeez. Um, you know, the, the thing about that game is say what you want about the defense last year. You know, the, the numbers speak for themselves. But the defense won you the game last year in, in Bedlam. With as many bad spots as they were put in in that game, they still – and I know OSU's offense wasn't great last year, especially that time of the year. But the OU defense saved you from being a 5-7 and seven football team. Well, the OU defense won them the West Virginia game. I mean, yes, that one, that, that one drive hurt them. But you got to score more than 20 points against West Virginia. You know? Yeah. Captain Willard says, uh, um, Texas A&M literally has a spanking cult, just saying. Uh, 281, the coastal south is just a psychotic area. They can't help it. 405, I'd say Texas fans are more delusional than psychotic. Yeah. Yeah, probably yeah. so. Yeah. 918, you guys saying all the other fan bases are crazy is like the crazy hairdresser calling all her friends crazy and keeps telling herself she is cool. Hey, it's psychotic around here, but we fully embrace it. That's the thing. I don't think don't I, deny I, it. I don't agree with that at all. I think everybody else is crazy and we are not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, how crazy is this? Is, is this a sign of, of a little psychotic ice cream diplomacy? I just found out about this uh, this morning. When I have a buddy, Chris, that actually graduated from BYU, and he passed along a local article out there, and it, it's an article about how BYU believes in hospitality to the opposing fans uh, for home games, so much so that they have something called Ice Cream Diplomacy, Parker, where apparently there is a group of alumni that at the end of every first quarter – they will distribute free ice cream to the visitor section. Quote, they think it is just someone in the stands coming to sell them something, but it's actually a lot of fun. What? This is so a thing that happens? Yeah, apparently the volunteers will distribute 1,000 cups of ice cream in five minutes, and at the end of the first quarter, they go up to the visitor section and just give away free ice cream. Okay, listen. This, is, I, this feels a little crazy. Well, I've been, I've been to a BYU game. I went to watch them play Virginia, and it was an early September game. The Bronco Mendenhall of, Bowl. Uh, wouldn't it? It probably would have been. It was the same year where Samaje Pirine. No, beat I, don't West think, Virginia. I don't think. Uh, oh well, that was twenty sixteen. 2014, I think, is when that one happened. Maybe. Former, anyway, that was, former that was future OU defensive coordinator, Bronco Mendenhall, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. So do we all think the ice cream diplomacy is crazy? Do we think it's awesome? I, I, think I, do, it's, I It must be new, though, because well, my point was they did not do it then because I, would, I remember it vividly because it was an early September game, so it was still very, very hot. Okay? It was like a 2 o'clock kickoff. It was incredibly hot. And then they decided to make it a whiteout, okay? So now you have a whiteout with white shirts, plus the fan base at BYU is particularly whiter yes. 
than any other fan base in, the, his, in college football. <laughs> That's what I thought so, you by white out. Yes, yes. So they had white T-shirts on and all these white red-headed people. The, the reflection was – it was so hot. We were dying. So I would have remembered free ice cream is my point. I would have remembered getting free ice cream. I guess technically I was in the visiting section because I wasn't a Virginia fan. But uh, What's this ice cream laced with? That's what I want to know. Are they really putting meth in the ice cream out there at BYU? You just got to ask yourself. Listen, Apparently, I, no, I, I am leaving the OU beat. I'm going to go cover BYU. I'm sorry. This is the end for me. Free ice yeah. cream, that's what sealed the deal. I was already leaning towards flipping to BYU, but the free ice cream sealed the deal. Apparently, the two flavors they hand out, cookies and cream, all right? Mm, come on. Or Graham Canyon. What? I, I guess a Graham cracker ice cream is what I'm guessing goes on there. Cookies and cream or Graham Canyon. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit weirded out by this. I'm not going to eat the free ice cream. It's, it's going to be laced with something. Why? Why do you think they're Mormons? What are they going to lace it with? They're up to something. I don't know what they're up to. Is it because every Dateline you've ever watched has a crazy Mormon that's killed? No, that's not. And my Dateline story is I'm laid passed out in the parking lot of Lavelle Edwards Stadium after a close loss. I'm telling you, it's a wonderful place to watch a football game. You're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna love it. It's gonna be amazing. I'll tell you who loves BYU is Texas well, fan. I was Texas say, fan loves BYU. I'm. I'm leaving the game if uh, BYU has a quarterback with two torn ACLs. I'm like he's about to run for yeah. 300 yards like he did against Texas. Texas fan like goes into like seizures when they uh, when they uh, <laughs> talk, talk about BYU. Text line. Uh, please stop telling Parker good things about BYU. He's going to transfer there. Yeah. Are you, are, you, are you close to doing so, covering recruiting for BYU? I'm booking a plane ticket right now. Dude, listen, it gets hard to it gets hard to, reco- to cover, though, because of the missions and stuff. Like, you know, you're not only competing against other schools, you're literally competing against God, right? <laughs> like, if they're going to go on a mission or not. So it's a very it's a fascinating – Parker gets to talk to 28-year-olds instead of 17-year-olds <laughs> exactly, yes. now. So where will you and your family, and by your family I mean your wife and three kids, decide to go to school, you know? So uh, – <laughs> I can I can foresee myself doing these interviews right now. So how 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 important is your relationship with Joseph Smith in this whole process? Nine one eight. My name is Mark. When we played BYU in Dallas in '09, we were walking outside the stadium, and some BYU fans gave us some ice cream. I bet they did. I would have been so pissed oh, listen, if dude. some BYU tried to give me ice cream after they won that my, game. My no brother, way. my brother-in-law played college football, and he was so excited to go to the BYU game. And I have never seen anybody so smug after a fo- even Texas fan wasn't as smug as this guy was after the '09 game. Oh my goodness! Nine one eight says they lace it with a chemical that makes your cousin look attractive. The ice cream, interesting. Um, okay. So we got a few of those on the, on the text line right now. I don't even know how that I, I has thought, anything to do with I, I don't. I don't either. Yeah, but that's at least I what's mean, going did, on in the text line. I thought apparently. Arkansas was going to be not in our one of our top three. No, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm making the trip out to Provo. I don't know if you are. I know that Parker and I oh, are. I am. Yeah, but no, I am. Uh, I'm very excited about that road trip and. I guess it's because of the scenery that's out there. Uh, Boulder, Colorado is a cool place to watch a game, but Provo looks like it's even better scenery. Provo's fantastic. It's going to be cold though. It will be cold in November, late November. It'll yeah. be really, really cold. But it's a it's a great stadium. All kidding aside, it's a great stadium. Rabid fan base. Um, they get excited about it. It'll be interesting to see how good they are late in the year. But if they're, I don't know what we aren't they like next to the last game. If there's yeah, if, well, we, yeah, if they could correct. somehow be seven and two. 
it would be just a fantastic scene. They, it would be a great, great scene. This whole article, and it was, it was a really good article. It just kind of like people are shocked and surprised. As, as, as apparently, like when, when SEC schools go out there, the fans show up and they're what's what's going on here? They're they're a little like me and like, well, okay, you guys are a little bit too nice. What are you what are you really up to? So apparently, it's the nicest place on earth in Provo, Utah, on a day of the game. I think they're trying to kill him with kindness. Don't think that's a great warm-up for the SEC, to be honest with you, because I think it's going to be totally different. But at least for this year, um, no, it'll it'll be fun. Well, Super no, fun. we've got Cincinnati where you can, you know, likely you're going to get shamed. That's so. that's who you bashed earlier, there Cincinnati. You go. Sooner Soldier, I was stationed in Draper, Utah. I promise that you don't want to live there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, OU up 7-1 on Oklahoma State's bottom of the third. Uh, OSU's got runners at second and third and just one out. Hey, real quick, Parker, because it was going on on Sunday and Monday. Uh, we played that Josh Pate clip at the, uh, at the top of the hour. Um, it doesn't sound like there's any negative fallouts from the message boards genius posted that was released with uh, any of OU's current commits, correct? Uh, no, message board geniuses is not going to affect OU recruiting. Yeah, I think you just leave it at that. David Stone, Williams Winery, whoever it is, um, I think OU will be just fine in that regard. What if we talk to a Texas fan coming up next? John uh, co-hosts the Boomer Bevo podcast. Kevin is the Texas co-host of the Boomer Bevo podcast. Let's ask, let's ask a Texas fan if he's really buying into the hype. Why do I see list that Quinn Ewers is the third best quarterback in college football this year? Maybe Kevin will say, yeah, we really don't buy that. Or maybe he'll have his horns up, John, and say, no, I believe every bit of this propaganda that's coming up this offseason. I don't know. Text line, hit us up with some questions to a Texas fan. 405-651-3439. We'll get to that and a whole lot more coming up next. Keep it locked in the ref. It is the rush on the ref. Full house this segment. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, John Whitson of Brown O'Haver, and the co host of the Boomer Bevo podcast and the other half of the Boomer Bevo podcast. We have Kevin Miller, who's a Texas fan. Now, text line, you don't have very many opportunities on this show to ask a Texas fan anything. And some of you have uh, text rolling in, but keep them coming, 405-651-3439. Kevin, uh, what's, what's going on, man? Uh, appreciate you joining us. Are, are, you, are you ready for this? It could, uh, could get interesting. You know, let's do it, man. I've been here for a few years now. I've taken it all, so let's do it. Okay, so I, I just want to start off with this, and, and Parker can come up with a question after, then John, and then we'll get to the text line. I don't get it with Quinn Ewers, dude, and you're going to have to explain it to me. I saw him in the Oklahoma State game when he was bad. I, there were some individual nice moments. He played well against OU, but, God, Kevin, who didn't play well against OU at quarterback last year? Why should I even for a second believe that Quinn Ewers is going to be a top three, top five quarterback like some of these national publications are telling me because I think it's crap. I don't think he's that good. Okay, we're excited about Ewers, but – I'm not saying he's going to be the third best quarterback in the country. I think there's quite a bit of drop-off from the top two, Caleb Williams and Drake May. I think he's going to be good, though. I trust his arm talent, and I trust Steve Sarkeesian when it comes to developing quarterbacks. I've talked about this on the Boomer Bevo podcast with John. I'm not sold on Sark as a head coach yet, but as Mm -hmm. a 
quarterbacks coach and an offensive coordinator, I do believe in him. Okay, well, let me ask you this question then, because obviously much has been made of the quarterback room at Texas and Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning coming in and the guy that's seemingly been the man in the middle amidst it all in Malik Murphy. But the bigger question to me surrounding this Texas football team is how do you replace the production that you lose in the backfield with B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson both moving on to the NFL? Yeah, Kevin, how do you replace them? Easy, you don't. You can't. It's impossible. You know, I'm excited to see what this offensive line does, right? They got all five starters back. They didn't run block great. The numbers look good because of the individual talents of Bijan and Roshan. It's going to be more of a running back by committee this year with Jonathan Brooks, Jaden Blue, the freshman Cedric Baxter out of Florida, five-star kid. But there's just no way you can replicate that. I think we're going to be more of a passing team this year. Get him, John. Well, yeah, I, I want to say that because last year I didn't think Sark used Bijan the way they should have used Bijan. I didn't think they had the 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 uh, passing. I, I didn't think they had the rushing attempts. I just didn't think they used them. I think they underutilized Bijan and overutilized Quinn. So maybe this is the offense that Sark always wants to run, but nothing I saw from Quinn tells me he's guaranteed starter next year. Are you saying he's the guaranteed starter? Absolutely. For the entire season. He is that yeah. smug on his face yeah. when he the says entire absolutely. Yeah, Arch is your number uh, one recruit. Uh, Texas is. hasn't had a number one recruit since Vince Young. And you're saying absolutely no chance. Yeah, I would be stunned if Arch Manning becomes a starting quarterback this year. He's Ooh. right. He's right. Mal- He's right. Does Malik, does Malik Murphy, is Malik Murphy your backup then instead of yes. Arch? You're right. saying Malik Murphy starts over Quinn, I mean starts over Arch if there's an issue. Right. Yeah. I don't know. He's just sitting over there, sounding so confident, quiet confidence about his team. He's he's not ready. I don't. I don't think Arch is ready. Simply, he just isn't ready. Does Texas have the best quarterback room in the Big Twelve? Yes. Man. Wow. Listen, I got to tell you, I just I vehemently disagree with that. Just Quinn didn't show me enough last year. He looked good in the in the OU game. Of course he did. He looked great in one quarter against Alabama, but that Oklahoma State game, you can't unsee that. He wasn't great in the TCU game, and uh, I just I don't like the kid. I mean, I like him in the I sense like that him. I think you know you hate him. You don't, you can't stand him. I can't stand him, and he's as ugly as these Oklahoma State baseball players here we were watching. I mean, he got rid of the mullet though. Did he I get mean, rid? He was, well, yeah. he needed to get rid of the mullet. Yeah, he's growing Apparently, up. Apparently, he got rid of the mullet because of some girl that he's dating at OU. That's unconfirmed, but that was is uh, that true? That can was, you confirm? That I can confirm that he is dating a girl from OU. But I really? that's why he got rid of the mullet. Man, all I'm those girls down there on the 40 acres, and Quinn Ewers has to come back across the Red River to pick one Figures. up, huh? Hey, yeah. man, listen, I moved here because of my wife, you know? So. Who just got two degrees, basically, she's got two degrees from OU. She just graduated with her master's at, at OU. At least there's one smart one in the family, uh, huh? Yeah, 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 it's not me, that, that's for sure. 404 from the text line, let's get to it. Hey, Texas fan, what's it like to root for a crappy team? Would you, would you care to answer that, Kevin? Oh, well, he knows. Nine one eight. Do the Mac Brown voice and ask him if he'd still take Sark over Coach February. Well, let me answer that for Kevin. He would definitely take Mac because he's better than a five hundred coach like Sark is up to this point. That's what Sark is. He's barely over a five hundred coach right now. Okie Drake Slinger, what do you consider being back? Just losing to OU every single year? Hey, forty nine zero. First of all, let me, let me start there. Oh. No, we're not back until we win the Big 12 and are in the mix for a national championship like we were in the 2000s. Ohio Sooner, given that the offense is losing their best skill position player since Ricky Williams and his backup, and the defense is losing two all-conference players who were seniors, is it a realistic expectation for a better record than last year? 
Yeah, I think so. I think third year under, under the Sark programs coming together. We've got a lot of guys coming back. I think we're going to be better than we were last year. Now, I'm hearing some of these people talking about Texas is going to be in the playoff. I think that's a bit absurd, but I do expect them to be competing for the B12, playing for it in Arlington at the end of the season. Five, did, wait, real quick. How did the schedule work out for you? Because for us, the schedule worked out tremendously not having to play not, K-State. Not as good as, as you guys, no. Kevin, any recommendations for rubs or marinades for these short ribs to enjoy while watching the softball game versus the Ducks tomorrow? I got nothing. Man. You got nothing on the barbecue <laughs> front? All right. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Captain Willard, I have a, t- a question for the Texas fan. What's it like when the annual hype for your team is only legit every 15 to 20 years? 49 nothing is not a valid answer. And, yes, in fairness, we know what it's like to make the playoffs and get humiliated. Plus, big money donors make all the personal decisions for Texas. Sounds like at least this guy realizes that. Well, that's that's a lot there, Kevin. I don't yeah. know how you want to yeah, approach I'm sure. that. Let's start with the first part. All right. Listen. I think the hype for Texas is good for everybody, right? It just gives everybody something to talk about, gives you a reason to hate Texas. The hype doesn't come from Texas fans, though, right? I expect them, again, to compete for the Big 12 title. But as far as them, you know, competing for the playoffs, I just don't see it. 319, you guys are killing this guy. He seems like a good sport. Respect. Kevin is, like. Yes, it's tough. I like Kevin because he's such a nice guy, but it's just quiet confidence with him. He is not the everyday Texas fan that you encounter in the wild. It was like. Kevin is a good guy. After we got beat 49 to nothing, I just wanted him to, like, rub it in my face, you know, and just be miserable. And he just sat across the computer screen from me. (laughs) And it was just like, yeah, man, it was a good game. Listen, I mean, man, I, owe, I owed you that because after the big comeback the year before, you took it easy on me. So I tr- did. Trust me. I John and I see. shared a moment. Like, we we had no more moments after that. John and I shared that moment together. The greatest game I've ever had. It was attended. a moment. Oh, the hugs the hugs in our section were some of the best hugs I've ever had in my entire so life. losing 49-0 is one thing, but when you lose like that, when you're up and you just think you're going to win, it's a program-defining moment for Sark, potentially, and it's gone that that. Uh, tell Quinn Sewers to keep his grubby hands off our ladies. 918, Texas guy, are you ready to get this beat down from three-star U? <laughs> <laughs> How um, Texas recruiting is not just off to a hot start thus far. I'm not, I'm not worried about it. I believe in the staff when it comes to recruiting. I think we'll be all right. Yeah, you probably would be. Uh, Parker, you got any uh, questions left, recruiting or otherwise, for our – uh, local Texas fan here, Kevin. Ooh, let me think. Okay, I, I want to know your perspective, Kevin, on the loss of Brennan Thompson. Okay, I understand the kid wanting to transfer. Him coming to OU, I don't like the precedent it sets because I tr- I'm sure you guys don't want OU players transferring to Texas too. But, hey, if the kid wants to go to OU, if he feels like he'll be happier, hey, I wish him well, except for the second Saturday in October. Boy, that is not a message board response to no. Brennan Thompson going from Texas. But what are we going to get with Brennan Thompson? Listen, he's probably the fastest player on your team. He was the fastest player on Texas team last year. He still needs to develop that receiver, though. You know, he's got to learn how to run routes. I think in this system, under Levy, I think it will be great running those go routes. I mean, listen, he can get – over the top on any defense, so it'll be excited to see. Three one nine. What will the tenor in Austin be after Alabama wins by four touchdowns in week two? You know, I dude, think- that is the upset that national people are picking more than any other. So let me just ask you this: um, You've seen some downs here recently with Texas, and maybe you don't feel this way. I'm just genuinely curious. You see, well, Texas—they're the favorite in the Big Twelve. Forget about it. Oh, Texas is going to go out to Alabama and win. 
Does that make you super nervous when you hear, like, super high expectations oh, this time of the year? Incredibly, yeah. And honestly, I don't expect them to go down there and beat Alabama. I do expect them to compete, though. And I will say, with them having the inexperience of the quarterback position, it's a good time to get them early. But it's going to be a tough game going on the road, Tuscaloosa at night. I mean, I don't know. I'm you think it's going to be a night game? Why, it, it's already been announced. Yeah. Prime time. Yep. That's so much better than the 11 a.m. game. Uh, is it, right. it going to be on ESPN? Is ESPN. that why? I'm already looking forward to the SEC schedule. I I, we've got to get some more 2.30 I might games. start pre-gaming tonight uh, ahead of that game. <laughs> Getting ready for it. It's going to be big time. So who who's thought to be Texas three permanent opponents if they go to the three six A and M Texas or A and M OU and Arkansas is that the three? I believe so. Yep. Mm. All right. Oh. I wouldn't. All three rivalry games there. You wouldn't want to be thrilled to have Arkansas, would you? No. No. You you, you guys get in Florida. I think that's great. I would yeah, it's going to be amazing. Traditional. At least you don't have opponent. to play lousy Missouri like right. OU might have to do every single yeah, year. Right. Who wants to do that? Yeah. Uh, Captain Willard, te- uh, Kevin is too rational. I may have to consider the pod as a Texas fan counter intel operation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, look, I'm a diehard Texas fan. I've been most of my life. But I, I'm also a college football fan, right? So I can speak on things a, a bit rationally. Uh, Kevin, I am a Texas guy in Oklahoma. You know you are not alone. Says someone in the 405. That's so nice. there's two of you. Yeah, That's there's nice. a few of us here. There's more than you think. 918, how many times has Arch lost his student ID? Just twice so far, correct? Just twice, that we know of. <laughs> that we know of. Does he think Arch is really better than Jackson Arnold? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, all we've seen is a spring game, right? Arch did not look good, and neither did Jackson Arnold until he got to play with the first team. Arch is with the third team for Texas. Uh, tell that Texas man I take any inexperienced Bama quarterback over what they're working on. <laughs> Hashtag Hey, listen. We'll see. We'll revisit this. God, Kevin I, really does like to just kill with kindness, man. Well, the you know? so 49 nothing doesn't help our argument very much. That's the problem. I picked the wrong year to start a Boomer Bebo podcast. Well, I had so many good years I could have started a Boomer Bebo yeah. podcast. And this is the year I started it, and it's 49 to freaking nothing. That's That was the worst part of uh, walking out of the Cotton Bowl that day is at some point it dawned on me like, oh, wow. That's what the final score is. I'm going to have to read that final score every day on Twitter for the next year, and there's not much of a comeback to it. Well, listen, we've all walked out of it when the respective when you when your respective team has lost, right? We've all walked out, and normally Texas fan is relentless, right? How bad we suck, how terrible we are. This year, they didn't even want to look at you. You know what I mean? They were like embarrassed. They're like, I can't believe we just. I hope did you what didn't even did. feel good about that one, Kevin. I hope you didn't even feel good about it. I feel great. Yeah. <laughs> I can't hide it. I can't hide it. We're done here. I uh, appreciate that. Kevin Miller, seriously, go check out the uh, Boomer Bevo podcast. You got an OU fan. You got a Texas fan. It's entertainment, those two going back and forth all the time. And you guys don't talk about just football. You'll mention recruiting. You'll mention softball. Well, uh, then you guys go to an OU ba- uh, Texas basketball game together We as did, well. but the best debate we've had in the last couple episodes, if anybody wants to check it out, is who's a better basketball player, Isaiah Thomas or – Allen Iverson. Surprisingly enough, that debate got heated. <laughs> it was heated, and it's must-listen-to podcast material in the offseason. Love it. Appreciate it, Kevin. Thank you, guys. Good man. Uh, Boomer Bevo Podcast. All right, we've got a couple more segments remaining in the final hour. Keep it locked in the ref. The Riverwind Casino and Hotel bringing you the final hour of the rush. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, John Whitson of Brano Haver, and the Boomer Bevo podcast joining us. 
Captain Willard says, good spot, guys, but the obvious truth is that Oklahoma girls are hotter than Texas girls. It's a regional secret. I would have preferred to keep classified. Strong agreement. Strong agreement. Uh, Ohio Sooner, if you haven't already, y'all need to have the debate on who is a better college basketball player, Blake Griffin or Kevin Durant. Blake Blake won the Naismith. Did KD win the Naismith? Okay, they both did. Blake Griffin. um, KD's a horrible human being. the, the, The horribleness that is Kevin Durant excludes him from winning any award of any kind or any debate of any kind. He's so terrible. And I told Kevin this on the Boomer Bevo podcast that the trade to Phoenix was going to end in utter disaster, and I was proven right. He's terrible. He's a stain on the sport of basketball. Man, John's stepping on necks today. God, dude, he is man, that guy. Golly. I hate him so much. You know what? The problem is Texas guys. They let they creep into you a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And they're like like Scotty Scheffler and Jordan. They they just creep, creep, creep. But you've got to know deep down they're going to break your heart, just like Kevin Durant. He's a horrible person. It's true. Horrible human being. Blake Griffin was a much better college basketball. Hey, tell the Texas fan I live in Austin. Want to trade spots? Five eight zero PS. I spy a fraud. LOL. Failed test. Texas plays Tennessee tomorrow, not Oregon. That was uh, on the uh, short ribs question. Oh well. Well. By the way, they said, is that even a question? Iverson, for sure, all day, uh, talking about the debate that you guys had. That's what we ended up on. But it was closer than we thought. It was closer than we thought. We had two titles for Isaiah Thomas, and he won a college title. He was a really nice, he was a really nice player, but he had a better supporting cast. Yeah. But, yes, Allen Iverson was the better player. 405-651-3439. Bedlam going on in Arlington right now. That game on ESPN Plus, 7-3 to currently the score of that Bedlam baseball game. So we'll see if Oklahoma uh, can get hot and maybe make a run uh, like they did towards the tail end of this year. Parker, you were with me on Monday, and we ran down the ESPN list of top 75 quarterbacks, college football quarterbacks in the 2000s. And there was a <laughs> there was a headline yesterday for Barstool Sports on that ranking that basically said, um, Bill Conley should be thrown in jail for put, uh, putting Baker Mayfield number one. I guess the rest of the college football world didn't agree with Bake at number one on the list. I mean, do we really pay attention to what Barstool says, though? And Barstool uh, does not employ about, Brandon like, Walker. Legit, not about legitimate takes, no. Or at least not normally. Okay, glad, glad we're on the same page in that regard. Barstool is good for entertainment and nothing more. I mean, he finished in the top four in the Heisman three years in a row. 2015, he did finish at four, right? Because he missed out on the Heisman Trophy. Um uh, he, he wasn't a finalist that year, but he should have been. I think he was fourth that year, so I think that's right. I mean, that's a tremendous record regardless of where ESPN's he was. ESPN's Bill Conley should go to jail for naming Baker Mayfield the best college quarterback of the 2000s. Who did he want to beat him? Who was number two on the list? Uh, his ranking was Cam Newton one, Tim Tebow two, Joe Burrow three, Vincent Young four, Baker Mayfield five. So he's saying, awful take. Baker, no way, should be number one, but he's in my top five. I thought Baker is number one, but if you had to make an argument, I'm making the argument for Joe Burrow. The year that that guy had was unbelievable. He was unbelievable. Okay, and that's the year that you always remember, and just based on that, he should be top five. But three years of of Baker, plus his freshman year where he was undefeated at Texas Tech. I was going to say Burrow. He didn't have as close to as good of a year in 2018, but Parker, that team still won a New Year's Six Bowl game that year, the year before they won a title, so it wasn't all bad for him. I mean, he won a title with Ed Ogeron as his coach. Let that sink in. 
Ooh, that's a good point. I mean, he's basically handicapped, and he won a title. Who Who's the worst coach to win a national championship, Parker? Are we going Ed Ogeron, Les or are we going with uh, Gene Les Chizik. Miles, Gene Chizik? Yeah. Gene Chizik who, is the who answer. Got booed, who, who got booed getting off the uh, plane at Auburn when he got hired? Yeah. You, it's probably Chizik. Chizik Although, rode Cam Newton's coattails to a title and then got fired two years later. It's Gene Chizik, and it's really not a question. Just because Kevin's sitting here, I want to say Mac Brown, but I at least have you know too much respect for Mac Brown in the <laughs> ten win seasons. <laughs> it's not like Gene Chizik or Ed Ogeron oh. uh, piled up the ten win years or anything like that. So I will uh, I, I will say that it's Gene Chizik as well. Um, exciting offer happened yesterday. OU offered OU Legacy Cooper Alexander, and it, it sounds like the review, like the optimism, was there immediately when you kind of connected the whole story. Parker, twenty four hours after that offer, it would still feel like OU's got a really good chance here. Correct? I yeah, nothing, nothing has changed that certainly. I if you asked me to put money down on who the next commit is in the twenty twenty four class for Oklahoma, I'd go Cooper Alexander. And for people that don't know a lot about him, other than his dad was Steven Alexander, who was a great tight end in the 90s, what's, uh, what's to like here as a prospect from, from Cooper? Because the, the size at tight end looks really good. That's what immediately jumps out to me. I think what I like most about Cooper is that he's somebody that is willing and able to do a little bit of everything from the tight end position. And it's one of those positions where you are doing a little bit of everything. But he's a willing blocker. He's a good route runner. He's good with the ball in his hands. And he's one of those players that you can move around within your offensive scheme. You don't necessarily have to line him up in the same place, snap to snap. And so he gives you a lot of options in terms of the different packages that you can utilize. And to me, I see a similarity to – well, and I, I don't think he's the same type of H-back type player that – Xavier Robinson would be if he were to end up at Oklahoma, for instance, because you're going to hand Xavier Robinson the ball plenty out of the backfield. You're not going to do that with Cooper Alexander. But to me, Cooper Alexander fills that Lincoln Riley H-back role pretty nicely, I think. He's he's Jeremiah Hall in the sense that you can throw him the football, you can rely on him as a blocker, you can draw up plays to get him the ball out of the backfield and he'll be able to find open space. And so Jeremiah Hall, I think even even in the greater landscape of OU fullbacks slash H-backs of years past, Jeremiah Hall's role was somewhat even more unique within that niche. And to me, Cooper Alexander isn't your run-of-the-mill tight end. He's not Austin Stogner, but he is a guy that – I, and I go back to my very first observation. He does a little bit of everything, and I don't think you can have too many of those guys on your football team. Yeah, sad news um, from today or, or this morning, really. Uh, incoming freshman Sammy Omasigo, his mom passed away. Oh. So, yeah, that's – that's. Um, did, did you get to know her um, during the recruiting process, uh, Parker? I didn't get to know her terribly well, but uh, Sammy is a really good kid that was raised by – Really good parents, and this was very, very unexpected. I tweeted something out about it, but I remember being out there in late June last year for Sammy Omasigo's commitment ceremony, and uh, his mom, you know, his parents are African, and so uh, they speak uh, at times broken English, heavily accented, but they're very sincere people, and what was 
I think what was really cool was they don't really command the spotlight. They're more content to sit back and let their kids do their thing. And Sammy is far from the only athletic kid that they have. So they're pretty reserved. But I remember at Sammy's commitment ceremony, his mom grabbing the microphone and just loudly and fervently praising God for the blessings in her son's life. And that that is what will stand out in my memory about Gloria Omasigo. But yeah, very unforeseen, very unexpected news this morning and very tragic for Sammy and the rest of his family. So if you see the GoFundMe link making the rounds on Twitter, click it, donate if you have the means, uh, because they're they're going through it right now. And I'm hurting for Sammy because he's one of the absolute nicest, most salt-of-the-earth kids that I've ever covered. Thoughts and prayers. Go out I to just, Sammy and his family and stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I just happened to have Twitter up when Gerald McCoy just sent something out. I was. You know, what did he, he say? Well, nothing about that. Just the Gerald McCoy. He just was tweeting something, but it reminded me of the whole yeah. Gerald McCoy story. I mean, he was just telling about that on um, Good Morning Football this week. He was Along on, with Batman takes, right? Well, a lot of you get a lot of Batman <laughs> takes, but how he was inspired. I mean, that's the same. You know, that story. Ho- hopefully, hopefully, Sammy can use it. Yeah. I, there's no way to see the positivity right now, and that's not what I'm trying to say. But hopefully, he can he can channel it and and put it to you know you know have a really have a really reason to play and a reason to to keep going on it. You know, uh, two texts before we hit a break. Urban Meyer, the worst head coach to win a national championship. Says well, he's the worst. Soldier. He's the worst human being to ever win a national championship. That's for sure. Accurate. Larry Coker, worst uh, championship winning mm. coach. Larry Coker's. Larry Coker just walked into an unbelievable situation so, after Butch Davis there at Miami. So you had the worst human being and maybe the best human being. That guy was great. Yeah, Larry Coker, good dude. Wasn't yeah. he at UTSA recently? He was the first head coach ever at UTSA. He, he started they only hired that, good humans down there that's, at UTSA. It, that's how, that that's how San Antonio rolls. Kevin and I know this. Uh, all right, coming up next, we'll close up shop. We'll close up the show. How about we end on a happy note today? And what makes people happier than everyone making fun of Texas A&M? Well, maybe I'm just speaking to myself, but, boy, people making fun of Texas A&M sure makes me happy. The best thing in the world. We'll tell you why A&M is getting made fun of once again when we get back. Keep it locked on the ref. Final segment of the day, fun show today. Appreciate uh, John Woodson from Brown O'Haver for joining us and, Speaking of Brown O'Haver, it is storm season. Um, unfortunately, some people have suffered some damage. Your opinion is just to kind of hold back for a couple of days, but what does that process look like if they want to get in touch with Brown O'Haver? Well, at this point with these storms, if you haven't been paid your full policy limits, you need to call Brown O'Haver, 405-735-5510. We work for the insured, not the insurance company. Um, we've, we've got a number of tornado clients. Of course, we are located in Moore, Oklahoma, so we have been through all tornado seasons since twenty thir- since the big ones in 2013. So we know how to work tornado claims. Give us a call, 405-735-5510. Let us get you more money more quickly. And I've noticed that um, unlike or you don't have any Urban Myers working in here. Everyone seems to be really good individuals. you got a Texas fan, but even the text line, I cannot believe this. The text line approved of Kevin. Most people came away like, yeah, all right, he's a pretty good dude. So if Brown O'Haver is good enough to have a nice Texas fan, does that in some ways talk about the uh, the overall depth of the staff? One hundred percent. Okay. We have a good. We have a ve- we have a very very good team. We have the biggest team we've ever had. We got ten full time employees, a couple of part timers, um, but we we know how to do insurance claims. Most people don't. We handle forty to fifty large claims a month. Give us a call. Trust us with it. Uh, we want to do a good job for you guys. Parker, everyone's making fun of Texas A&M today because earlier this week 
they have a maroon out game every single year, which means everyone buys maroon out T-shirts, which are maroon. They maroon out Kyle Field, and all of that money goes to charity. Well, their maroon out this year, their maroon out game this year is against Mississippi State, and everyone's saying, "Hey, nice job, morons! You're having a maroon out game against a team that's maroon. Good going, nice job." They're not very Which bright down there in College Station. <laughs> They're, They're not, not very wrong. bright. They're just rich, oh. Tyler. So there's a thought that Mississippi State fans are going to flood College Station and wear neon green T-shirts too. Oh, wouldn't that be out cool? The outs. <laughs> hey, come on, Andy. You got several games to pick from. One, Mississippi State is not a marquee opponent. Okay. Okay. They'll well, neither Alabama is Appalachian State, though, Tyler. Like, well, that's true. That's A&M true. can make non-marquee opponents look like marquee opponents. Let's do it against Alabama. I mean, Alabama's red, but they're not true. They have the same exact colors as you do, like Mississippi State. You just can't help some people, John. And you sure can't. you sure can't help AM. They do it all all by themselves. Brown O'Haver can literally help out anyone, but can't can't help out Texas A and M. If you're are an A&M, but if you are an AM fan and if you've had a loss, we can we can get you through it. 405-735-5510. What's the Facebook page? You got some good content up there as well. Brown O'Haver. Brown O'Haver. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And then, of course, please, please, please check out the Boomer Bevo podcast. Yeah, go like and su- subscribe to that. Some really good content there as well. Brian O'Haver, 405-735-5510. Back at it tomorrow. You're listening to The Ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans.